At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Welcome to our Christmas message series, Eyewitness, finding your Christmas story in theirs, where you're invited to find your story in the extraordinary experiences of the men and women who witnessed the very first Christmas. Together, we'll see that no matter who we are, the coming of the Christ was for us. To tell you guys, I have um, I've been really, really excited for today. Not for flannel day. That that's not necessarily what I've been excited about. Cause um, quick little thing about me. I don't really like flannel, y'all. It makes me hot. Like I get hot when I'm in flannel. I don't I don't really like it. But Amy, she likes the flannel day, and so Amy's responsible for finding my shirt. She gave me a choice though. She's like, Do you want the red flannel or this flannel? And I thought, this is Christmassy, I'll take this one. And um, so I have. I've been so, so, so excited for today, for all the decorations. For the horses outside, for the pictures in the, I've been so excited for us to come together looking like this. And guys, let me tell you, we didn't know what to expect. Like for the space next door, this is the first time we've ever done Christmas with this building. And so for years, I mean, since the 60s, we've been doing Christmas over there. So we knew what we were doing. We knew where the lights went. We had the rhythm. We had the setup. We didn't, but as of last Sunday, Following the service, it was like, okay, let's give this a go. We don't know exactly what it's going to be, but let's try. And so much fun. So it's fun to finally see it all ready to go for Christmas. Of course, it did start with the Christmas tea on Friday. Quick show of hands. Who was here on Friday night? Either you were serving or you attended. All right, there's a bunch of y'all who didn't go. Okay, so for those of you, for those of you with your hands up, a bunch of people in here may not know what the tea is because the tea, it sounds like, well, it sounds like tea. It sounds like we sat around, we drank tea, but there's a lot more to it. So I want you to think of like just a word that would be a descriptive word of what was kind of like the menu and the flavor of the, like, you know, if you wanted to say dance, there's no dancing, but because there was no room where it was packed with tables. But, you know, like if it was dancing, you'd be like, hey, dancing. And then it kind of lets them know like, oh, at the tea, you do dancing. So just kind of popcorn, like what happened with the tea? Scones, women, dinner, games, fellowship, yeah, fellowship, teaching, it was phenomenal. Hopefully that gives a picture. Yeah, there's scones involved and there's dinner involved and there's uh, speakers involved and there's, there's music involved and there's all this stuff involved. Real fast, thank you. Richard worked so hard in making sure that our men stayed organized. Kristen Oh my goodness, the logistics to pull that off. She did a remarkable job. Yes, Kelly and Patty. Kelly and Patty went above and beyond. Kip worked so hard. Uh, we, we had Heather speaking. We had Liz speaking. We had groups of people coming to pray. And to, Anyway, thank you. So many of you serving and helping. Yeah, just phenomenal pictures showing just a, a peak I was, he didn't wear his white gloves. You were supposed to wear white gloves when you were serving the hors d'oeuvres. There were hors d'oeuvres this year. That was a new thing. Uh, it was so much fun. Anyway, thank you to all those who served. We also now, starting last week, we have a bookstore. So the bookstore, to find the bookstore, you go to our lobby. And some of you are like, I don't know. I came in from that parking lot. I didn't know there was a lobby. Yeah, it used to be our worship center. So you'll go out this door across the hall, and then you're in the lobby. That's where the coffee's located. Restrooms. This church has restrooms. So if you didn't know, it's in the lobby. And so you go right over yonder. That's where the photo booth is set up. If you want indoor photos, 
It's also where the bookstore is located. Raise your hand if you have perused the bookstore. Oh, more than went to the T. Okay. Okay. But not everybody, probably only half of you. So what kind of things do we carry in the bookstore? We have books. Thank you all. Comedians. Bibles. Kids books. Decor. Coffee mugs. Okay. We have a lot of stuff. Now, here's the thing you need to know. It's always going to be rotating stock. We get it from the Troy campus. And so, like, every week, they're kind of going to be going, as we sell stuff, they're going to replace it. But they're going to replace it with, like, huh, what do we think our people would like? And so, it's always going to be rotating. You always need to stop in there. Here's what they have. If you like my Bible, the preaching Bible, they have this one, like this exact one, without all the notes already written in the margins. But they have this one. They have Amy's. Let me see Amy's. I was so excited when I looked. Okay, she has a special Bible bag because she's like, she told me she wanted a study Bible, so that's what I got her. And she's like, Billy, this is like a weapon. And I'm like, I know, isn't it great? You can work out with it. You can, it's multi-purpose. But like if you want one with the pink thing, unless the first service people bought it. I hope they did. No, I hope they did. Anyway, but like but you can get you. mine. I have my name on it. Hers has her name on it. So we know it's, it's Amy's. Anyway, make sure you stop by that. Here's the point. We are starting a brand new sermon series today called Eyewitnesses. Did you notice how those who went to the tier, those who've been to the bookstore, everyone saw things from a little bit different angle, didn't they? We get a little different perspective. What I love about this series is we are going to walk through the firsthand accounts of those who are eyewitnesses of that first Christmas. Take your Bibles. Let's open up to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. As we jump in. So just... Again, a peek into how my mind works. I'm a person that when I read through scripture, I don't read it really like a, a textbook kind of a read. I read it more from the perspective of, I, I want to know what did that fire feel like and, and what did things smell like and, and, and what was going on and who was there and who was watching and what just happened and what's going on. You guys know this about me, right? I want to feel like I'm right in the middle of the action with them, which is different than how I think we normally do things. Because TV or theater, it teaches to do things with a fourth wall. Like if you went to a play and this was a stage, well, I have three walls here, right? And there's an imaginary fourth wall that they remove so that you can look in through the fourth wall. Yeah, I don't like the fourth wall thing. I would rather feel like I'm right in the midst of it with you. That's how I hope you feel today as you're reading through Mary's story in Luke chapter 1. We're going to look at this big idea that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. So as we look at Mary's story, we're going to pull two main points out of this text. The first point is that when God calls, he provides. Church, when God calls, he provides. Let's dive in. Luke chapter 1. We'll start in verse 26. Luke writes this. He says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and he said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. Verse 30, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name 
Jesus. And he'll be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And as of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I'm a virgin? So this section opens with the angel Gabriel going from God to Nazareth. This is big. And he goes to talk to this young girl named Mary. She was engaged to be married. She was betrothed to be married to Joseph. We're actually going to talk about his story next week. So we're just going to hit pause on his story because we're going to go more in depth next week as we follow him as an eyewitness. But I love this point of Nazareth. Nazareth, this is a, this is a really important point because Nazareth was not was not a focus point throughout the rest of scripture, right? Nazareth was not, that would have been Jerusalem, right? Nazareth was not that. It was not written about in the intertestamental period. It was not written about by rabbis or the historian Josephus didn't say, let me take five chapters to tell you all about Nazareth. He didn't do that, right? This is nowheresville. I want you to think about that place. You know where like your family goes for that long trip? You know that place? That place that you've been more than once on the long trip. Probably it's so long that you can't get there without gassing up once. You, you stop at that one place, you know, the one place you stop and you, you gas up and you go to the restroom and you get some snacks because you need some snacks for your journey. And so you get those snacks, right? But you don't want to stay in that town. Not a little bit, not none. You want to get your snacks and move on down the road, right? Because there's nothing there. It's nowheresville. Like that's not your destination. That's not really where you want to be. That's Nazareth. Are you picturing that in your head now? This literally is the middle of nothingness. This is in between two major port cities. So it was a stopping point for a lot of Gentiles. It was a stopping point for, it was overrun with Roman soldiers. But Nazareth was not a point of destination for anyone. And then we have Mary. Mary, twice before we even find out her name, is referred to as the virgin. Do you see that? Twice before we even see her name. Of course, I believe that we're setting up the miracle of conception that's going to be taking place. Luke also is going to tell us a story of Elizabeth later. We're not going to really dive into it a lot today. But he tells us the story of Elizabeth, who we know at this point, she is of old age and she's barren. She hasn't had any children. Now we know that she ends up with a baby. She gives birth to John the Baptist. But it's almost like what we're seeing if, because God's done that before, hasn't he? God has done this, taking an old woman who is barren and then she has a child and we're like, that shouldn't have happened. That's a miracle from God. It's almost though, like with Elizabeth, this, this is such an extraordinary miracle. But if that's a miracle, then the birth of Jesus to a virgin, which we've heard multiple times now, this is beyond extraordinary. Here's what else we know. We know that Mary's young. She, she's quite young at this point. She's poor. She was born a peasant. She was born to peasants. We know that in the first century, based on what was happening historically there, she was probably illiterate. She couldn't read. She couldn't write. There's nothing special about her. That's what I'm trying to tell you. There's nothing special about her. In fact, there were thousands of girls just like her in Nowheresville towns all throughout Israel. And yet, Gabriel went to Mary. I like how Martin Luther said this. He said, you know, God might have gone to Jerusalem and picked out Caiaphas's daughter. Caiaphas is the Jewish high priest. He might have gone to Caiaphas's daughter who was 
fair, she was rich, she was clad in gold-embroidered robes and attended by maids-in-waiting. But God preferred a lowly maid from a mean town. I love that. Like God could have picked anyone. And we would expect God to go to the person in Jerusalem who's already got the position and, and, the, and the place in this world. And yet that's not what God chooses to do here. And then Gabriel greets, greets her in the most beautiful way. Do you see that? And it says that Mary's like, I don't actually know what kind of greeting this is. So Mary gets kind of nervous. I don't know exactly what the, I would too, wouldn't you? If all of a sudden you go home and there's an angel standing there saying, hey, greetings, we need to chat. You're going to love this, right? And so Mary's kind of pushing away. And then Gabriel says what's going to happen and what does she respond with? How can this be since I'm a virgin? It doesn't say that she said no. It doesn't say that she lacked faith. It never says that she lacked faith. She wanted uh, to have a question answered that was a very logical question. Not only was it logical, it was biological, right? I had this biological, logical question that I need answered. How can this be? Now, when you study scriptures, what you often find is the gospel goes to those who are humble in spirit. The gospel goes to those who are, are, are mild in their posture. And when I first thought about that, I thought, ah, what about... What about Paul? Because that guy, he can be a handful sometimes, right? Paul can be kind of fiery. What about that guy? Yeah, but when did he encounter the Lord? It's when he was humbled. It's when his eyesight was taken from of him. It, it was when he had that place where he had to ask others for help. That's when the Lord went to him. That's when the gospel opened his eyes. That's when everything changed for him. And so what we see in Mary is we see this posture of humility Later on, she actually, after Gabriel, she actually goes to see Elizabeth. And after she sees Elizabeth and everything that happened there, there's this song that's recorded in Scripture, Mary's song. It's a song of praise. It's a song of, of worship. It's called the Magnificat. And in that, I want you to hear what she says. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. Isn't that beautiful? Let's just quickly go back of what we've covered so far. We've covered that this is in Nazareth. This is Nowheresville. This is a, a, a no place kind of a town to a girl that's just kind of an ordinary girl like thousands of other girls. There was nothing especially different that jumped out about Mary. She was not a wealthy person. She was not a super educated person. She was just a girl, and my question for you is, does your posture towards God echo that of Mary's? Are you in a spot this morning that you say, my soul magnifies the Lord, my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked on the humble estate of a servant? Is that you today? Let me ask it a different way. You ever, you ever feel like God is calling you to do something? How do you respond when you feel God calling you to do something? Because maybe I'm wrong, maybe you don't do this, but I think sometimes people, maybe you're not the people, but sometimes people, they'll say this. They'll say, well, God, I know what you're calling me to do. I just don't. I don't know about that. Like, I don't, I don't know. Lord, I don't know. I don't know. Like, I don't know if I'm old enough to do that. You know, I don't know if I'm educated. I don't know if I, I don't have the time. It's just like when you do get the education, then you don't have the time, right? I don't have the time to do that, Lord. I don't have the finances to do it. I don't, I don't have the, I just don't know. Lord, I don't know if you want think I can do it. I don't know that I can do it. You see, because if I stand here and I tell you 
I stand here and I tell you that I believe through the power of Jesus Christ that you truly can impact your family and you truly can impact your workplace and your school and your community, that I truly believe that you can impact this world. You know what I think? I think so oftentimes people sit there and, and in church, they're like, yeah, I like that. And then you get home and you're like, yeah, the pastor doesn't know me though. He doesn't know my background. He doesn't know the places I fall short. The Lord, man, the Lord certainly could use someone else. Why doesn't he just go grab someone else and not grab me? I just want you to notice that's not what Mary does. I hope that the faith of this young girl challenges you like crazy this morning. Because that is not her response. Her response is not to try to make excuses before God, but to realize that nothing is impossible with God. Let's keep reading. The angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing is impossible with God. Friends, it's just not some platitude. That's what we see in the word. Nothing is impossible with God. So Mary asked a question. Mary wanted to know. I'm not saying no, Gabriel. I'm not telling you no. I'm not telling you I won't do it. I just want to know how can this be? Biologically, that doesn't make sense. Logically, that doesn't make sense. So how is this going to be? And look what the angel said. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. In other words, Mary, God's going to do it. God is going to be the one who's going to do this work. Sometimes I think we get in the way a little bit, don't we? We try so hard to help God out that we get in the way. Go back to Genesis. Do you remember in the book of Genesis, God created the heavens and the earth? You remember that, right? He created the stars, the moon, the sky, the sea, the land, the plants, all the vegetation. He created the rhinoceros and the birds and all that. Like he created it all. And then day six, but not just day six, like late into day six. Like I think I've done about everything that needs done. God took the dust of the ground and he formed Adam. And he breathed life into Adam. But that was late into day six. Almost like God was saying to all of mankind, hey, just so you know, I've got this. I don't need your help with it. I really do have it. And that's what we see echoed to Mary right here. Hey, Mary, God has it. You don't have to fix it. You don't have to do it. God is going to do this work. And the child who's going to be born, he's going to be holy, consecrated to God, the son of God. And he will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. I love that. I love that because so oftentimes I think that's why we say no. Or maybe we don't, maybe you don't say no. Maybe it's just like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to answer right now. I'm going to think about it. I think that's what we do. And what we see is that God is the one who's at work, right? When God calls, he provides. So Gabriel finishes up this announcement. And after he finishes his announcement, Mary goes and she sees Elizabeth. And when she sees Elizabeth, she sees that this miracle has happened. I believe this miracle has happened so that Mary would see, hey, if it's possible with Elizabeth, you can be confident in this announcement that it's possible for you too. That when God calls, 
he provides. That's going to be a sign to you so that you know this is going to come to be. That God is at work and he's going to be the one who provides. That's what God does, isn't it? Friends, if you didn't know, that's what the whole point of Christmas is. God calls and he provides. See, you and I, we, we have this sin issue. We have all sinned. Every single one of us, that sin creates a separation between us and a holy God. And you know what we tried for thousands of years? I'm going to work harder. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to be better. I'm going to, that's what people still do today, right? I'm just going to, I've messed up. I know I've messed up. I know it's hurt my relationship with God. It's separated me from God. So I'm just going to try to do better. That's not the gospel. Here's the beauty of Christmas. The beauty of Christmas is God provides. Jesus Christ came to this earth, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus came to this earth and he dwelt among us and he lived a perfect and a sinless life. He did what we couldn't do. And he went to the cross to pay for the sins of the entire world. For every single one of us, he paid for the sins. You see, it's grace that you're saved through faith, not by works. Christmas is such a beautiful gift. Christmas is Jesus coming to us as a gift to save us and to set us free. That's our story if we're a follower of Jesus. Which reminds me of what he said, Jesus, at one point. He said, you know, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And when people heard this, they, they started to squirm a little bit. Like, okay, the rich person, you know, they're probably educated. They probably got the cool house. They probably got, you know, the cars and all that. They didn't have cars, but you know what I'm saying. Like, you know, they got it going on. And if, if they're going to struggle getting into heaven, what hope is there for me? And so they asked Jesus, they said, they said, well, then who can be saved? And Jesus says, what is impossible with men is possible with God. When I speak on Sunday mornings, I just want you to know, normally I'm speaking to the church. I'm speaking to brothers and sisters in Christ. But here's what I know is I know that every week there are people who watch online and there are people who sit right here and you're not yet a follower of Jesus that's why you're here, right? You come in because you're like, well, I have questions about faith, so I figure I go to church. Seemed like the logical thing to do. And so you come in to say, I, I want to try to figure out this, this faith thing and this church thing in Jesus. I, I come trying to figure it out. I, I hope you heard what I just said. Jesus says what's impossible with men is possible with God. When God calls, he provides. And that includes for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what you've said. It doesn't matter the times you've doubted. It doesn't matter the, the ways that maybe you've even declared like there's no way that I believe there's God. Here's the truth. God loves you. On your own, you are separated from God and there's nothing you can do to fix it. There's nothing you can do to fix it. But the incredible story of Christmas is God has provided when Jesus came, it's you surrendering your life by placing your faith in Christ as your Savior. That's the incredible, beautiful story of redemption. In other words, you have to respond. You don't have to do anything, but you respond. That's our last point. We respond. When God calls, we respond. Look at verse 38. And Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. When God calls, we respond. I, I wonder. I mean, we don't know. 
But I wonder if you could have sat in the room with Mary and immediately said, hey, so what's going through your mind right now? What do you think she would have said? I mean, again, I don't know. I wasn't there. But I would imagine she would have said, "Um, I'm sort of betrothed to Joseph. I'm kind of engaged. I don't know what he's going to say about this. It's going to take some explaining, right? I don't, I don't know how Joseph's going to respond. Maybe she thought financially what would be the impact. You know, because if Joseph leaves me, I, I don't have education. I don't have skill. I don't, I'm destitute. I don't know what I'm going to do. Financially, I'm, I'm ruined. I'm wrecked. I, I just don't know. Reputation-wise, what do you think she thought about her family? Just a peasant family working, trying to do their best to survive. Living in a small, this was not Jerusalem. You know, Jerusalem, maybe you could move areas and blend into the crowd somehow. That's not where they are. They're Nazareth. There's no hiding. For those of you who are part of a small town community, you know that feeling. When you go to the grocery store, you're going to run into someone you know. Right? Well, when you go to the well, you're going to run into people you know, and everyone's going to be talking. And so probably that would have gone through her head. Right, reputation-wise, what is this going to do to my family? But look at her response. Man, I love what she says. She says, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. In other words, yes. I don't know the answers to all those things, but the answer is yes, here I am. It reminds me of Isaiah 6. Do you remember Isaiah 6? Isaiah 6, the prophet, Isaiah He encounters the Lord in a way that he sees the Lord's glory as he's seated high and exalted. He sees the angels circling the throne. And in that place, church, he is wrecked. It knocks him over. Like he's literally like, I am so confronted with my sinfulness right now before a holy and an awesome God. And it's in that place that his lips are actually touched and he's, he's healed. And then he hears the voice of the Lord say, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And so many men and women, this next line is the one that has wrecked them and changed things forever. Because Isaiah says, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. That's what Mary said. Lord, here I am. I'm this young girl, I I don't have financial backing, I don't have educational backing, I don't have anything that people would think you need to be a world changer, but Lord, here I am, send me. Can I just tell you, church, as your pastor, that's what I so desperately want for us. I want us to be a people who just respond, Lord, here I am, send me. I so desperately want that for you. Because the Lord is going to call. He does. He invites us into his incredibly majestic, eternal story. He invites us to be his ambassadors, to be his hands and his feet, to be part of the work that he is doing. And there's someone in your family right now that is a hard person to love, right? Here I am, Lord, send me. There's that neighbor who right now, they're hurting. They're going through a difficult time. And maybe you're an introvert and you don't know what to say. You don't know what to do because you don't have answers, you feel. Like you, you stumble and trip over your own words. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Some of you, it's going to be a career move, and it's something that you're looking, going, I just don't know educationally if I'm wired to be able to accomplish the things that I feel led to do. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Some of you, it's, it's with adoption, and, and you're being moved, and you're being stirred, but you're scared to death of it. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Some of you, it's Ecuador. 
It's to come alongside our brothers and sisters there. Some of you, it's, it's South Africa. Some of you, it's Thailand. And it's the orphans who are there. Here I am, Lord. Send me. I hope what you hear is, it does not matter one rip where the location is. It does not matter what the obstacles are. It matters, are we faithful to the Lord? Because he is big enough to do the work, church. Here I am. Send me. I, I hope that's our posture and our heart. So Mary does go to Elizabeth after this. And um, then we see this incredible response of worship and praise. In the midst of all the questions, in the midst of the pain that she knows is coming, in the midst of the ridicule that she knows will confront her, in spite of all that, we see a heart of worship and praise with her song. I encourage you to go later this week and to, to read it and to really pour over it. But for this morning, we just bow your heads right where you are. What I want to do is I just want to read it over you. And I mentioned this earlier, but as I read it over you, instead of just listening to the words like you're in a church service, will you just picture yourself right there with her, with this young girl? Man, if she's scared, she certainly, certainly doesn't show it, does she? She has this bold faith, and here's her song, here's her prayer. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Notice, not in what she has done, not in her own power, not in her own authority. My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Do you see the holiness of God this morning? Do you see his might and his majesty this morning? Mary says, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their own hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. Have you ever been spiritually hungry? Maybe you've been physically hungry. And have you had that hunger satisfied in the Lord? He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away. He has helped to serve in Israel in remembrance of his mercy. He spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. Church, you do realize that you are part of a story that is so much bigger than you. Our lives are not our own. We've been purchased by the blood of the Lamb. So this is the place where we get to throw up our hands and say, here I am, Lord, send me. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word, for the ability to continue to open truth and be transformed by it. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room who maybe they've been struggling with that place of obedience. Maybe they've been struggling with a place of joy because of the trials they've been in. Maybe they've been struggling with trust because it all seems overwhelming. 
Lord, I just pray that your word has taken deep root in their heart, that nothing is impossible with our God. Lord, give us the courage, the confidence, the faith by the power of your Holy Spirit to step when you say to step, to stay when you say to stay, to serve when you call us to serve, to forgive in those places we're supposed to forgive. We just want to honor you with our lives, Lord. We're your humble servants. And Lord, for those who maybe they've never surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, I pray that the gospel message this morning is crystal clear. That Christmas is about the good news that on our own, we will never be able to earn heaven. But you provided the way through Jesus. That we simply need to surrender through faith. We need to surrender to the Lordship of Jesus in our lives. So Lord, as we continue through this week and we march toward Christmas, I pray that you show us what it means to live in that beautiful tension of lament, joy, grief, celebration, and that you're praised through each and every moment. In Jesus' name. Church, thank you so much for being here and continuing to press together to sharpen one another as we follow the Lord. Let's stand as we close our morning in worship. Thank you for joining us as we study God's word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org forward slash connect to introduce yourself today.